seeing as how it is the last day of the year, uh, as I prepared for this sermon, you know, you get to thinking, what do you see a lot this time of year? And, and it seemed like every, everything I read, every magazine or every channel on the TV has a countdown. The year's best this, or the year's worst that. And, and everything's a countdown. It's always the best or worst in one extreme to the other. So I got to thinking, well, maybe I could do something like that. But you don't really want to rank things in the Bible and, and different things. And, but I did find one this morning. And, and that's what I want to share a bit of my time and God's Scripture with you this morning about. About life's most underrated spiritual virtue. The most underrated secret in our spiritual life that if we could just grasp it, it would change our life forever. And you're thinking, well, what is it? Well, I'm going to give it to you right up front and then we'll talk about it. It's gratitude. Now, it may not be what you were expecting. It's not real flashy. It's not real exciting. Uh, it's, it's not the red sports car of spiritual virtues. But I do believe that gratitude is the most underrated spiritual secret. You know, many people get sidetracked. Think about people you know. How many of them have lost sight of what's important in life because they're so concerned about what they don't have instead of being content and thankful for what they do? Christmas was just this week. When you're a kid, and even sometimes when you're an adult... Christmas is all about presents. You write your list to Santa Claus, you go to the mall and tell him what you want, you, you leave hints with mom and dad, little pictures torn out of the catalog so they make sure and get just the right thing. And you may have a huge pile of presents, but if you don't get just that one you wanted, sometimes we get disappointed. We say, well, I didn't have a very good Christmas. I got everything I wanted but this one thing. And so oftentimes that's how it is. And that's why I think life's most underrated spiritual secret, spiritual virtue, is gratitude. But gratitude is something that's absolutely essential for good spiritual health. He's been called the 20th century's greatest theologian. His name is Karl Barth. He says, all sin is basically ingratitude. He says, he began to study scriptures and read story after story, book after book, every sin was at its root in gratitude. Think about people you know. Not thankful for their wives, so what do they do? All they do is point out what's lacking in their husband, what do they do? All they're able to see is what their church is lacking, not what's present, what do they do? All they see is what's lacking in their community, all sin is rooted in ingratitude. But I believe that, that gratitude is a Jericho point. In other words, it, it gives us leverage. It leverages our ability for significant spiritual growth. Now what do I mean by Jericho point? Well, remember the Old Testament when God promised Canaan to the Israelites? He says, I'm going to deliver this land to you, but first... The first city you have to take is Jericho. He said, it's going to be tough, but everything after that will kind of fall into place, be pretty easy. But Jericho became a huge roadblock. And it became a struggle for many of the Israelites. But once they got past Jericho, everything else just kind of fell into place. 
Show me a person who's never thankful, and I'll show you a person who can't get past Jericho. It's the same person who sits back and says, well, why can't I grow? Well, how come I'm not optimistic? Why, why am I not joyful? Why am I constantly floating from one relationship to the next, from one church to the next? You have to get past Jericho. You have to understand gratitude. Because if you can become that person... If you can become the kind of person that sees the good that God has brought into your life today, then you have leverage. And you're able to accomplish significant spiritual growth. But you have to understand this. Now listen to me. The only gift you're ever going to get in this life... Oh, that's way loud. The only gift you're ever going to get in this life is going to be imperfect. If you're married, look at your spouse right now. They're imperfect. You picked them up at the scratch and dent store. They have things. I know I'm close and I see Russell, he's stretching. He's close too, but we're imperfect. We have things that get on our spouse's nerves. But the only gift you're ever going to receive in this life is imperfect. The only parents you're ever going to have, imperfect. The only kids, imperfect. The only body, the only mind, the only church you're ever going to be a part of, it's going to be imperfect. The only gift you'll ever receive this side of heaven is going to be somewhat imperfect. And so if you can't be thankful for imperfect gifts, well, you just don't have the ability to be thankful at all. And God understands this. He knew when He commands us to practice gratitude, He knows that He's asking us, to be thankful for imperfect gifts. Now this morning, like any good sermon, I have three points. Three observations uh, that I think will help you along this journey that might help make gratitude a little less underrated. Here's number one. Gratefulness. Oh, it's not exotic. It's not sophisticated. It's not flashy in any way. Thankfulness, gratitude. It will change your life. You know, a lot of believers aren't looking for that. So many people are looking for these mountaintop experiences, these flashy, eye-catching, once-in-a-lifetime moments, encounters with God that will change their life. And gratitude's not that. It's boring. It's ho-hum. It's plain. It's simple. But your life will change more in the daily routine than it ever will in a once a year, once every six month event. Gratitude, though not sophisticated, can and will change your life. That's why it's part of God's will for us. You know, we talked about God's will a couple of weeks ago, and, and when most people think of God's will, we think, well, it's a direction. Does He want me to go here? Does He want me to go there? But most often, God's will is directed at our attitude. Look over in 1 Thessalonians. In 5 and verse 18, he says, Be thankful in, not for, we're not thankful for the bad things, but be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. One of the most helpful things I've ever read on dealing with grief 
was an excerpt from a book a man wrote about dealing with the loss of his eight-year-old daughter. He said the one thing that was, that was most helpful to him, that allowed him, enabled him to overcome his grief, was gratitude. He says this, he says, When I reached the point that I realized I was a richer man for having experienced her for eight years than if she had never come into my life at all, he said, I then began to give thanks for every day of those eight years. In every circumstance, believers can see God and the kindness that He's bringing to them. Now, I've got to tell you right up front, there are some gratitude killers. There's some characteristics in our life that we can have that's going to stop this before we even get good at it. And here's the first one. Or right, let me back up. Psalms warns us of this. Psalms 103 verse 2 tells us, Praise the Lord. Other versions will say, bless the Lord, but do not forget all His benefits. So here's the first gratitude killer. Taking for granted what I already have. Just realizing that there are things in my life that don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be corrected. They don't need to be healed. They just don't need to be fixed. I have things in my life that are great just the way they are. And hopefully I'm not the type of person and you don't become the type of person that just takes those things for granted. We don't get so focused on what does need to be fixed that we don't enjoy what's just fine the way it is. And the second characteristic is just always wanting more. That greedy, selfish attitude that says one's not enough. If I have two, I want three. If I have three, I want four. That attitude that's just never satisfied. And so that leads me to my second point this morning. To overcome these gratitude killers, we have to do what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning. Number two, to practice conscious gratitude. Colossians 4 and verse 2 says, Be watchful and thankful. And I think those two words go together pretty well. Be watchful and thankful. Literally, what it's saying is, be on the lookout. Always be looking for an opportunity. Always be looking for these good gifts for which you can express your gratitude. Conscious gratitude is that intentional approach to life. You're intentionally focusing on what's right, not what's wrong. You're intentionally looking at what you have, not at what you don't have. And number three this morning, and maybe most important of all, be the type of person who goes back. Just go back. I get this from that story in Luke chapter 17. You remember the story in Luke 17? Here Jesus is walking along the road. And all of a sudden, from off on the side, I don't know if they were hiding in the bushes or what, but from a distance, it says, some men yelled out to him. There were ten lepers. And I don't know if you know this or not, but just up until the last 40 or 50 years, leprosy was a death sentence. It was considered incurable. Sure, they could prolong your life and you could live a lot of years with it, but your life was over. You were removed from society. No more normal activities or interaction. And so here's these ten men, exiled from their families, from their jobs, from their friends. 
And they're screaming out from a distance. Have pity on us. Heal us. Save us. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Pick up the story in Luke 17, in verse 15. He says, one of them, and by the way, are you one of the thankful minority? He says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. What did he do when he came back? You want us to be the type of people who go back? Here's what you do. He went back praising God in a loud voice. He says, I don't care who hears me. I don't care who sees me. I've been exiled from everybody I know. I don't care that people are going to think what I'm doing is different. I don't care that I'm coloring outside the lines. I'm going to praise God in a loud voice because I was healed. Because Christ changed my life. And it says he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. He didn't trip. He didn't fall. He didn't humbly bow. He threw himself at the feet of Christ. And he thanked him. He went back. He praised God. And he thanked him. And it says that he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus does what he did so often when he was trying to teach. He asked rhetorical questions. Questions he already knew the answers to. He says, we're not all ten cleansed? What happened to the other nine? The only one who came back to praise God was this foreigner? He said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I hope you'll be the type of people who go back. Go back and say thank you. Go back to your mom. Thank her for all those things she did for you. Remember that cake, that special birthday cake when you were 11? Remember that time you really needed her to cut you some slack? And she did. Remember that time you really wanted to get away with something? And because she firm hand is one, she let you back and thank your mom. You say, well, my mom's not perfect. Why should I go back and thank her? Remember? You're imperfect. Go back and thank your dad. Go back and thank your mate. Start the new year off. Go and thank your boss. You may not like your job, but be thankful that you have one. Go back and thank your elders. Go back and thank God. Recount the kindness that He's shown to you in this life. Others need to hear it almost as much as you need to express it. I was reading a business magazine of all places the other day, and I came across a story that illustrates this better than any other I found. It's a man talking, and, and the article was about an at-home business. He had started a business out of his garage in his living room. And, but the focus of his story wasn't the money he made or how he did it. The focus of his story was, as his business grew, he decided to move into a bigger house, making a little more money. Things were going well. But because he had an at-home business, he received an enormous amount of mail. And he was afraid that when he moved and changed addresses, he would miss out. Some letters would get lost, some correspondence, and he would lose business. But during his move, the post office handled it flawlessly. He said, I was so impressed, I wanted to call them up and thank them. So I called my local post office, he says. He says, they didn't know what to do with me. He said, you see, they had a complaint department. They knew how to handle me if I 
had lost some mail or if I wanted to complain about the service, but they didn't know what to do with someone who wanted to call and say thank you. And the most interesting part of this man's story is he goes on to say, but I never gave up. He said, I kept calling back. I kept calling different post office. He said, I don't know why, but I just needed to express my gratitude. Have you ever been so thankful that you just needed someone to hear you say thank you? He said they missed out. As many times as I said it, no one ever heard thank you. Be a person who goes back. If you're the type of person who's formed the habit of just letting it go, letting it be understood that you're thankful, not thanking people, well, because it's their job to do that, or they're supposed to do that. They're elders. They're supposed to spend many hours in meetings. They're this or they're that. If you've gotten in the habit of not saying thank you, you're a poorer person for it. Be the type of person who goes back. Just go back and say thank you. And when you do, it feels great. You enjoy it. They enjoy it. People are encouraged by it. You become a sweet fragrance. You know how when you're walking through a store, you walk past one and you smell a sweet fragrance? It's just nice. You enjoy that. Grateful people refresh others by becoming the fragrance of Christ. Story told of a woman on a Washington, D.C. metro subway system. If you've never been to D.C., you've never been on a subway or the metro system, you won't fully appreciate this story, but... They're crowded, they're busy, they're, they're stuffy. I, it's, it's not a real enjoyable experience, they're convenient. Uh, but this lady was on there one day and, and wouldn't you know it, it gets stuck in the tunnel. And they're in there and it's hot and it's crowded and one minute turns to two and two minutes into five and before you know it, somebody starts grumbling. And somebody starts cussing and blaming the driver. It's his fault that we're stuck. And then before you know it, the crowd over here is blaming the whole city of Washington for it. And then before long, it's the nation's fault for this horrible subway system. And somehow or another, this lady accidentally drops one of her shopping bags. And in this shopping bag was a very expensive, very luxurious foreign perfume. And as she writes this article about this experience later, she says, you couldn't believe how the demeanor of the car changed as that fragrance began to drift through it. She said conversation, voices began to lower and soften. Conversations turned from aggressive and blaming to friendly and interactive. All because of a a sweet fragrance. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, as believers you are the aroma of of Christ. Now I fully realize I tell you all this about being thankful and gratitude and and I understand that we live in a very cynical world. That's the new thing now. If you've been on the internet, newest thing are blogs, forums, opportunities to voice your opinion about whatever you want, say whatever you want, and nobody can do anything about it. And 9 out of 10 of them are negative. It's cool to be cynical in today's world. Emails, phone calls, gossip, whispers. We all want to talk about what's bad in the world, what's wrong with the world. It's cool. 
But if you can find ways to see the hand, to see the presence, the goodness, the power of God in life situations, and you can make other people aware of it, you can bring it to the attention of any and everybody around you, that's being the fragrance of God. That's being the aroma of Christ. And you just begin to spread it. And it just begins to overwhelm people. And you begin to brighten a room. We all know people who can brighten a room just by leaving. Do you know anybody who can brighten a room just by their spirit, their demeanor, their attitude? I stand before you this morning. My name is Dave Wynn. And you may think that you are the chief of all sinners. But you're not. I am. I can be self-centered. I can be greedy. I can be lustful. In my lifetime, I've even distorted the truth. I've broken more of God's commands than I can even count. I don't deserve in any way a clean slate. But God in His mercy and His infinite wisdom looked down into 2006 and He said, Dave Wynn, I see you. And I'm going to send my son for you. And Christ went to the cross and He carried all my sin, all my shame, all my junk. He took it upon Himself. So that I can stand up here before you today and say, by His stripes I'm healed. By His wounds I'm set free. I do believe that I'm the chief of all sinners. But I also believe that I'm saved by God's amazing grace. And I can declare with a clean heart probably the most beautiful Statement of gratitude in all the Bible. Thanks be to God for His unspeakable, His indescribable gift of grace in Christ Jesus. So this week, that person who's facing that operation, do they have anything to be thankful for? That family dealing with the grief, the loss of a loved one, do they have something to be thankful for? That person who just lost their job, do they have something to be thankful for? Yes. Yes. Because thanksgiving goes far beyond just things. And it transcends into our relationship with Christ that's new and fresh day after day. And it's so consistent. And always there. So much so that we often take it for granted. We forget to stop and say thank you. But no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's out on the periphery of everything, I have something that I can be thankful for. And may I say to you today that gratitude really is the most underrated spiritual virtue of our life. But if you'll embrace it, you'll see Jericho fall. Canaan will be delivered to you you begin to see in your own life a renewed sense of optimism, of faith, of joy. If you'll consciously seek, if you'll be on the lookout for those good gifts that God puts in your life every day, 
for which you can express your gratitude. This morning you have an opportunity to look at God square in the face and say thank you. Thank you for sending your son just for me. You have an opportunity to start the new year with a clean slate. Are you grateful that He died on the cross for you? Will you share in that death? Will you allow Him to take your sins and your shame and your junk and bury it in baptism? Maybe you're past that on your spiritual walk. Maybe you've accepted Him, but you've turned away, and your lifestyle says, I don't care what you did for me back then. And the way you live your life says, I don't care. I'm not thankful for what you did 2,000 years ago. What have you done for me today? And you're missing out on a gift. Won't you give your life back to Him? Won't you be the type of person that just goes back and praises Him and thanks Him? Will you thank Him this morning? If you will, come now. Together we stand and we sing.